Namibia's premier business show. This is The Business Report on Nova 1035. Hi, I'm David. Welcome to the first business report of 2024. We've changed the format slightly in an effort to bring you the best content and features we can. Catch the show live on Tuesdays and Thursdays from 6 p.m. or the repeat on Wednesdays and Fridays from 5.30 a.m. Of course, if you miss both or want to listen to anything again, you can listen on demand on the podcasts page of the Future Media News website, futuremedianews.com.na. So let's get to today's show. In the Alex Forbes lead story, we continue the discussion of the medical aides and doctors, this time talking to the Anesthesiologist Society of Namibia. Michelle speaks to economist Rusa Nandago to get her insights into the state of the economy. And Gerald gives us a tech industry update, looking at the tasks and impacts that technology has in business. But first, as always, it's time for the business news update. Here's a look at some of today's trending business stories. Biz News on the Business Report. The Biz News is brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Fully invested to help your assets grow. Encouraging economic growth. Biz News. Okay, Biz News. I'm Tonata Kavila. Gondwana Collection Namibia has broken ground on the construction of a new 15 million Namibia dollar head office for its car hire business, nam to go Car Rental, at the Josea Kutako International Airport. Then JSC-listed mining group Anglo-American Platinum and fellow-listed telecoms giant MTN said on Monday that economist Tabi Leoka had resigned from both company boards. The move is with immediate effect and follows the PhD scandal surrounding Surrounding Lioka. Oil steadied following an early dip after OPEC member Libya restarted production at its largest field, which balanced out concerns about tensions in the Red Sea that look to continue disrupting shipping. And Apple's iPhone dethroned Samsung Electronics co-devices to become the best-selling smartphone series over the course of 2023, the first time South Korea's biggest company has lost the top spot since 2010. Taking a look at your latest financial indicators. The Namibia dollar is trading at 1904 to the US dollar, 2069 to the euro, and 2421 to the British pound. Gold is trading at 2027 US dollars a fine ounce, while Brent crude oil costs $80.06 a barrel. I'm Tonata Kavila. Stay tuned for more updates. The business news was brought to you by Ashburton Investments. Speak to your financial advisor or visit us at ashburtoninvestments.com. About investing with Ashburton. A snapshot of some of today's biggest business stories. Biz News on the Business Report. Today's biggest business story. The Future Media News Team speaks to the people at the heart of it. Political intrigue, results, currency and crypto, mining and green hydrogen, and so much more. Tune in on Nova 1035 from Monday to Thursday with repeats the following morning to stay up to date with the biggest stories in Namibia. The lead story is proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. Late last year, we spoke quite a bit about NAMAF's decision to leave tariffs unchanged for 2024 
And to carry on that conversation, today I have the president of the Anesthesiologists Society of Namibia, almost, almost tripped over that one, uh, Dr. Jesse Mumba, and specialist anesthetist Dr. Miandra Yordan. Welcome to the Business Report. Thank, thank you. Thank, thank you, you for having us. Yeah. So before we get into the meat of the interview, what exactly is the Anesthesiologists Society of Namibia and what is it that you do? So the Anesthesiologist Society of Namibia was uh, founded in 2018, uh, the November of 2018. And uh, it really stemmed out of the fact that we all belonged to other international societies. And we thought that uh, it was relevant that the number of anesthetists were growing, that we should have our own. Um, basically, we are a non-profit organization registered with BIPA. And uh, our role is uh, dedicated to advancing the field of anesthesia, promoting excellence in patient care. And um, obviously, we also do answer to consultation from other stakeholders like the Health Professions Council of Namibia. We also uh, consult with the Ministry of Health when they've got um, something that they would like our input. And obviously, with uh, NAMAF, uh, we've also done consultation on various um, issues. Okay, so an, an industry forum of sorts where you can all meet together and, and discuss common concerns or common goals. Basically, yes. And uh, on top of that, we we want to advance uh, continuous medical profession. So in that regard, we have annual events. Sometimes um, we also hold weekly events where we look at continuous professional development uh, which are usually accredited by the Health Professions Council for um, further accreditation as okay. a specialist or doctor working in anesthesia. And does a doctor working in anesthesia have to belong to the the forum, the society? It's not compulsory, but very much advisable to be part of the society. Um, there, there are a couple of reasons why one would want to belong, um, especially when it comes to international congresses, international courses. Uh, most of the courses are now asking for a local society to endorse that candidate who wants to further their education. Mm. The membership is voluntary and... Um, we don't police anyone that does anesthesia to belong to us, but we encourage everyone to be part of the society. Okay, great. Uh, so to the body of, of today's interview, the reason that I'm speaking to the two of you, uh, the ASN issued a press release, uh, which we published on our website, uh, explaining that medical aids have decreased the benefit payable for in-hospital procedures by 33% over the last 12 months. Uh, and you're saying that will result in a co-payment of between 25 to 33% of the anesthesia account for patients. Maybe just explain the whole procedure for us. Yeah, how do medical professionals go about setting their rates? Why don't they match what the medical aides are prepared to pay? Yes, David, this is quite a loaded question. Um, so it will come with a bit of a backstory. Um, so we as medical professionals are bound by what is called a NAMAF benchmark tariff. Um, and this benchmark tariff is set for certain med medical services that are rendered or certain items that are sold. Um, these tariffs are then set annually. Um, in the past, these tariffs would increase by inflation every year. And the medical aid funds then consequently use these benchmark tariffs to set what they will deem their membership benefits, okay. the payout at mm. the end of the day. So the trick comes in that 
in the early 2000s. NAMAF, who is actually a regulator of medical aid funds, not practitioners, Mm. funds. They adopted a certain set of benchmarks from South Africa. And they tailored those benchmarks to our Namibian market. Um, And consequently, since then, they have continued to set these benchmark tariffs um, on an annual basis. However, the catch is that this action of them was very naughty because it falls outside the scope of their um, statutory powers. Okay. So they were, in in essence, acting unconstitutionally and unlawfully. And this action of theirs has been scrutinized multiple times. Um, for example, none of themselves have sought um, or sought a legal opinion in 2018. Um, and senior counsel has advised them that they are indeed um, practicing without, well, beyond the scopes huh. of their powers. Then in 2014, four years prior to that, uh, an independent South African firm of healthcare um, costing experts okay. um, called Healthman uh, did a, they conducted a study to actually assess, amongst other things, these number of benchmark tariffs. Um, and the study was published in 2014, um, and it was found that the methodology employed by NAMAF to set certain or set tariffs, who, as you will know, unilaterally sets benchmark mm-hmm. tariffs in Namibia, is, and I'm going to quote, irrational and has no science behind it and is not cost-based. Mm. So that is where our benchmark tariffs are derived. Mm. Um and shortly, NAMAF responded to the study published in 2014 um, by conveniently locking um, public access to these tariffs. So <laughs> um, neither member nor trustee, neither does the, the registrar of medical aid funds, NAMFISA, have access to these benchmark tariffs. So where we derive our tariffs from, David, I cannot tell you. Accurately, in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, because I mean, I was going to ask yeah. whether there's consultation, you know, no. whether the medical aids and the Not doctors sit together or, or the societies and no, so, no consultation. Not at all. And that is actually where the frustration stems from. So just to then finish my answer is what the medical funds, the aids then do, which they are financial service providers. They then get advised by NAMA of what these benchmark tariffs mm-hmm. are. And based on the study, they found that these tariffs are not... They did not um, uh, consider what necessarily the costs in, are incurred with rendering certain services. Mm. So what they then did is they came up with, uh, based on their advisory panels, with what is called the NAMAF tariff, 100% plus 125, which we have then consequently adopted as NAMAF to 25%. <laughs> To listen to the full interview, go to the podcast page on futuremedia.com.na. The lead story was proudly brought to you by Alex Forbes. Alex Forbes, insight, advice, impact. That was today's lead story. A closer look at one of the biggest issues making the news today. Make sure you don't miss any of our features by looking out for our podcasts on nova.com.na. With our ancient desert and endless coastline and vistas, Namibians understand the value of time. 
At Ashburton Investments, our local team combines international capabilities and proven strategies with local commitment and insights to deliver quality returns over time. Visit ashburtoninvestments.com or speak to your financial advisor about investing with Ashburton. Ashburton Investments is a member of the First Rand Namibia Group and registered with Namfisa. The Roundtable Namibia, in collaboration with Nova 1035, brings you the Back to School 2024 campaign. The Roundtable Namibia have secured funds to supply children from a school in need with a backpack and necessary stationery for school. We would like you to help nominate a school that you think could use the help. Just WhatsApp school to 083-000-1049. We are also calling upon you, local businesses, individuals or organizations that would be willing to assist in equipping the Namibian child with stationery or donations needed to start their 2024 educational journey. Visit Roundtable Namibia on Facebook for details to be in contact if you want to help. Where some see a challenge, others see an opportunity. The Market Watch. We take a deeper dive to help you see them both. Welcome to the Business Report. This is a new year 2024 and we will be bringing you business news from Namibia, the region and abroad. Our revamped show will be airing twice a week from this year onwards on Tuesday and Thursday evenings at 6 o'clock with repeats on Wednesday and Friday mornings at 5.30. My name is Michelle and I will be hosting the economics briefings or as you know with the Market Watch on Tuesday evenings. I have a lineup of various economists um, this year providing every week a different take or not on the data releases impacting on or as a result of our economic activity. So today I'm speaking to Rusa Nandagu. She's the chief economist for the First Rand Namibia Group and we'll be touching on growth trends for 2024, a view on the hot topic of inflation and some outlook of what we can therefore expect from a monetary policy point of view. Welcome to our show, Rusa. So, uh, yeah, thanks for, for saying yes to me <laughs> on, on taking on this challenge. So, welcome. Thank you very much, Michelle. I'm happy to be here. Good. So, take us through your growth expectations for 2024 for specifically the Namibian economy. What are you foreseeing? Sure. So unlike the global economy, um, the Namibian economy has actually been performing quite well from a statistical perspective. Last year, we saw quite strong growth rates averaging around 6.5%. Now, that's much higher than what we've seen if we just look at the pre-pandemic period where the growth, five-year growth before pre-pandemic or before the pandemic averaged around 0.7%. Now, whenever I put that figure forth, people are shocked and they say, we're not feeling this on the ground. How, how on earth is it possible that the economy is growing by 6.5%? And that's why it's always important to unpack the number a little bit. So what you'll see when you break down the number is that actually a lot of the growth has been driven by your mining. And also our statistical agency is now including the oil and gas exploration in those numbers. So you have this very high headline growth, but it's not necessarily translating into the broader economy. And one of the figures that we look at is your consumption growth. So that actually contracted by 0.3%, telling you that it's not filtering through to the household and individuals like you and me necessarily. And one of the other figures we also look at is your credit uptake in the economy. So are people taking up loans? Because that's a leading indicator of future economic activity. And that's also very weak at 2%. So high growth, but not translating into the broader economy. Very concentrated in a few sectors. But the 6% was actual growth, even though yes. only concentrated. So yes. on the oil and gas, just help us to understand how if it was actual growth, but they're still exploring, how does that filter through to an actual growth? So 
as per the National Statistics Classification, exploration is considered an economic activity, activity. even though we're not actually producing and seeing the benefits, like your fiscal benefits, etc. So again, always unpack that number, yeah. take it at face value. Yeah. yeah. And your forecast, the areas for growth in 2024? All right. So. Uh, based on the 2023 figures that we have, which is up to quarter three, we now expect the economy to, about, to be about 6.8%, oh. quite high. Yeah. But we do expect a slowdown to about 5.8% this year. That's because of the weaker global economy, obviously a very weak consumer as well. But again, the growth rates are quite high compared to our historical average. But yeah. again, always not taking that, that figure at face value yeah. necessarily. Is it something that economists do that they calculate a normalized growth if you then take out those two high concentrations? Yes, so we actually have done an exercise. So we did one where we excluded the exploration growth that brought the growth down to 2.9 percent and if you exclude your mining which is obviously a very strong mm. assumption you actually mm. only have 0.7 percent okay. so we I have done you. that exercise as okay. well yes okay so the burning point for the last two years has been inflation globally and here and hence also the very severe um, hikes in interest rates that we've seen so what are your outlook uh, what are your your views on on the outlook of inflation and my specific question here is currently with the Red Sea disruptions and saying that 15% of global trade goes through that route and now those ships need to come through or around the, the southern point of Africa. I mean, this is where we live. Will we also then feel an increase in, in inflation? Yeah, so what we saw last year is inflation came down quite materially in Namibia. We started January at around 7% into December at around 5.3%. Um, but what we're seeing now is these new inflation risks that are starting to come through from, as you mentioned, the issues around the Red Sea, possible impact on the global oil price. Surprisingly, we haven't seen the Israel-Hamas um, tensions filter through that much of the oil price, still below 80. And we expected it to be much higher given that in the Russia-Ukraine war it went to 120. So we haven't seen it filter mm. through yet. But certainly there are inflation pressures that are starting to build but we don't expect inflation to be as high as what we saw in 2022 and 2021. So in the US for example inflation peaked at around 10% in 2022 it's come down to 3.4%. But I think again with inflation always put that number into context. Inflation coming down doesn't mean prices are coming down. It just mm. means they're growing at a slower pace. Mm. So the way I always like to conceptualize it is if you look at your wage increase or your salary increase, you might get a 10% increase this year and a 5% increase next mm. year. Your increase has come down, but your absolute salary is still growing. So that's exactly how inflation works. So price pressures are still there, but they're just a bit less reduced. And of course, the pressures from the impact of the Red Sea, we still have to see how that's filtered into the numbers. But mm. it's definitely an upside risk we're baking into both the global numbers and the Namibian numbers because the global inflation also does filter through to Namibia. Currently, our inflation rate sitting at 5.3%, as I said in December. And what we expect for this year is that inflation will average around 5.5% from 6% last or 5.9 percent average last year yeah and then obviously global pressures will then keep the the pressure on the currency which will then also yeah exactly we actually have seen the currency weakening over the past week as well obviously SA also has their domestic issues which exactly influence the currency yeah Um, and it's an election year the currency typically tends to be weak in a uh, SA election election year yeah Um, but those pressures also then do come through interesting so So sticky inflation yeah. yeah So, Rusa, what does this all mean for interest rates? What is your silver ball prediction? (laughs) Okay, so again, important to remember in Namibia, Namibia is not an inflation targeting Mm. bank. For us, it's more secondary consideration. Our main aim is to keep the um, peg with South Africa, but we're linked to an inflation targeting bank, so we inadvertently target inflation. The view in SA is that interest rates have peaked, um, but with the upside risk given the inflation dynamics, they're becoming very data dependent. Um, So, interest rates in SA have 
peaked at 8.25%. We expect to peak at 7.75%. And then rate cuts only starting then at the end of December this year with a 25 basis points cut. And then over the next three years, in total, only 75 basis points okay. cut. So quite a shallow cut of 75 compared to the hike of 400. Yes. So, yeah, and that's 75 thing. only to start at the end of this yes, year. December specifically. And then to be yeah. spread across about three or four meetings. Yes. Okay. Rusa, thank you very much for talking to us. It was really um, yeah, insightful. A lot's happening this year, many elections around the world. All of that has got an impact on, on us, the economy, and, and how we feel things. So thank you very much, and I'll see you soon. Thank you very much, Michelle. Chat soon. This is Tech Support on the Business Report. Technology plays a crucial role in virtually every facet of business operations. Whether it involves team communication, policy updates, or the review of historical records, technology significantly contributes to enabling employees to fulfill their tasks and advance in their careers. Acquiring a deeper understanding of business technology and its impact on the workplace empowers individuals to optimize the available tools for their professional benefit. But here's the question. What constitutes business technology? Business technology encompasses electronic tools and systems designed to facilitate task completion for employees. This category includes computers, internet systems, printers, mobile devices, and software applications that aid in the organizing and prioritizing of work. Additionally, business technology facilitates task segmentation, allowing employees to break down larger tasks into manageable goals. Managers leverage business technology to scout for new hires, foster collaborations with other businesses, and assess financial status of their companies. How do business leverage technology? Firstly, there's payroll. Business employ computer systems, specialized software, and automated payroll programs to transfer payments to employees and contractors during each pay period. Some processes within the system are entirely automated. There's also hiring. Utilizing the internet, business tap into job forums to attract talent globally. Networking and computer systems provide managers with access to software for creating flyers, job descriptions, and scheduling tools to streamline the talent acquisition process. Then there's inventory management. Data storage systems enable businesses to create detailed spreadsheets for recording and locating inventory. Some software programs include an active classification system, notifying employees of the presence of specific inventory in a warehouse or during transit. Then, of course, there's task allocation. Both offline and online software systems assist managers in allocating work to employees. Tasks can be assigned virtually through custom websites and the internet chat rooms can be utilized for discussing their objectives. And as always, there's communication. Communication software enables businesses to discuss projects and plans with their employees, even when working remotely. Some systems offer optimization features tailored for businesses with exclusively remote staff. Then there's data storage. Data storage systems allow companies to store records, financial statements, and company data securely in a centralized database accessible to employees from virtually anywhere in the world. For production companies, these systems assist managers in tracking orders, managing stock, and overseeing a general production. Then there is security. Security systems plays a crucial role in keeping electronic content safe, preventing unauthorized access in inputs. It also helps employees adhere to safety standards within their company. Learning more about business technology and how it affects the workplace can help you better use what's available in your workplace to your advantage. This has been Tech Support on The Business Report. That was The Business Report on Nova 1035. Listen to all these segments and previous episodes with our podcast service on nova.com.na. The Business Report is a future media news production with input from Michelle van Veek, Gary Strubel, Angie Skuls, 
David Bishop and Raymond Seafelt. Comments and questions can be sent to tbr at nova.com.na.